Well, uh, God led me to rewrite my message this afternoon, so uh, your bulletin's wrong. But uh, it's interesting that Philip should choose that song. Um, right, uh, right in the time where I was saved, that song was big. And uh, I, I just remember when I would hear that song, it always get, I'd, I'd get emotional because I'd think about when Jesus touched me, forgave my sin, saved my soul, uh, came in to dwell in my heart and gave me his joy, and I, I've just never been the same. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to know Jesus Christ, to be touched by his grace. Uh, there's nothing in me that merited God's grace, but God chose to give it anyway. Don't we serve an amazing God? Uh, we need God's grace. And uh, these, these verses um, that I'm going to emphasize tonight in the scripture uh, in Ruth chapter 2 are, um, are verses that emphasize the grace of God. Now, it's grace that Boaz, or favor that Boaz, is extending to Ruth. Uh, but Boaz is a picture, a pattern... Uh, of what Jesus would later come to do. We talked about that a couple weeks back, about him being our kinsman redeemer. But I want to just focus and kind of hone in on a couple of verses here in the Scripture. I'm going to read 13 of them, but we're going to hone in on two of them because there's some really great stuff there in those two verses about how the grace of God affects us when we truly understand what grace is. And so uh, I believe we need to understand and worship God for his grace and trust him to be gracious in our lives. And so the title of my message is Touched by God's Grace. Uh, So, uh, by the way, Philip didn't know that. Isn't that interesting how God works? Touched by God's grace. Look with me at Ruth chapter 2. And verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Boaz. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone who allows me to? Naomi answered her, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be just so happened to be, (laughs) in the portion of land belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. Later, when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they replied. Boaz asked his servant, who was in charge of the harvesters, Whose young woman is this? The servant answered, She is a Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather fallen grain among the uh, bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has remained from early morning until now, except that she rested a little in a shelter, in the shelter. Uh, Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See, uh, See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She bowed with her face to the ground and said to him, Why are you so kind to me, to notice me, 
although I'm a foreigner. Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me, how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth, and how you came to a people you previously uh, didn't know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive the full reward from the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, you have been kind to me, for you have comforted and encouraged your slave, although I am not like one of your female servants. Now, I understand that Ruth has done some wonderful things for Naomi here. Uh, And Boaz mentions these things as part of the reason that he's doing this. Uh, But looking at it from Ruth's perspective is what I'd like to do tonight, because... Ruth sees herself as in a situation without hope. She's an outcast. She is a foreigner. Um, She is expecting to be treated as less than the the full citizen of Israel. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt like an outcast before in your life. Maybe if you've been excluded from a group at some point in your life. Or uh, maybe you had somebody who was in a clique that kind of avoided you or whatever. But uh, feeling like an outcast is not a good thing, and especially when you're a foreigner in a foreign land. Uh, She was also a widow, so she had no prospects. Um, And I'm sure she was probably delighted to hear from Naomi that you could at least, according to Israelite law, go out in fields and glean the leftovers that the harvesters missed uh, so that you could could eke out a living. Uh, So she goes and she asks to be able to do this, but, but she really has no prospects. There's not much chance that anybody's going to marry her because she's not an Israelite. Uh, not much chance of, of being uh, uh, revered or, or uh, respected in the community because of her status as a Moabite, as, a, as somebody that is an outsider to the religion of Israel. Um, not a whole lot of, of expectation for her future. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you have felt... Uh, the feeling of just feeling like, Lord, there's just not much ahead of me. What, what can you do with me, Lord? Uh, and I, I see these emotions in her because of the way that she responds to Boaz when he shows his kindness, or you can also translate it grace or favor uh, to her. But let's face it, all of us, uh, if we look at our lives carefully, can see things in, in ourselves that are displeasing to God. Things that we've done in our past, uh, things that maybe, I can, I'll just share a testimony from my own life. I remember uh, before I was saved, uh, living a double life. Acting one way at church, acting another way at school. And uh, I was bringing disrepute to the name of Jesus Christ because people knew that I went to church, but I was not living for God. Uh, I didn't deserve to be shown the grace of God. But guess what? He showed it to me anyway. <laughs> and um, and, and this, is, this is where Ruth is. She feels like, you know, I'm not expecting much. I, I'm not, um, I, and, I, and she's just overwhelmed by the goodness of Boaz. But guess what? The goodness of Boaz was the goodness of God. Because when she just so happened to come into his field. Yeah, she just so happened to. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's in the accidents of life. 
And God brought her there. And God is blessing her. And how is he blessing her? Through this person who is a picture of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the one who extends us grace. Did you know the Bible says that the things in the Old Testament were written down for us upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come? And as you look at this through the lens of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, I see several things as Ruth is touched by the grace showed to her by Boaz that we see in Jesus Christ as he touches us with his grace. What do we feel when Jesus touches us by his grace, assuming that we understand what grace is. And, and so I'm going to talk to you about what we feel, but let me just give you a little side note here about the grace of God. First of all, the grace of God can cover any sin and will cover every sin for the person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. I understand that Jeffrey Dahmer gave his heart to Christ in a prison cell. I've heard people say before, well, God wouldn't save a murderer. God wouldn't save an adulterer. God wouldn't save a homosexual. Yes, he would. The scripture tells us specifically that God saves those very kinds of people. There's no sin that God's grace can't cover. Here's something else to chew on. Paul is is writing to the Romans, and he says to the Romans... um, First of all, he makes his case in chapters 1 through 3 that everybody's a sinner. But then he starts talking to Christians in Romans chapter 5 and talking about their position in Jesus Christ and the grace of God that has come upon them as they are children of God. Now, he's going to go on to encourage them not to live in sin because grace abounds, but to live for Christ. But but he tells them at the end of chapter 5, Where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. Now, there have been times in my life where I have blown it. If if you've ever been a Christian very long, you've blown it at some time or another. Um, The Bible says that the man who says he's without sin is a liar and the truth's not in him. So all all of us will sin from time to time. Have you ever felt just the the guilt of your sin, and you, you have uh, wrestled with it and struggled with it, and, and maybe even listened to the voice of the enemy in your ear say, why are you even going to go to God in prayer? Look at what you've done. And you just sense this uh, sense of being unworthy of even being in God's presence, or maybe unworthy of service, or whatever it may be. And then you come to a verse like that in Romans chapter 5. Where sin abounded, there did much more grace abound. And you say, hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, You remember what Paul said? I love the story of Paul. Um, He says, I don't even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, there's sin for you. Jesus had to confront him on the Damascus Road. He said, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goad. You're persecuting me as you persecute my people. But Paul repented of his sin, and and he says, I don't even deserve to be an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can't we all say that? In one other place, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. 
I persecuted the church of God. Over and over again, you see this theme in his life. He just can't quite seem to believe that God has forgiven him with his past. But that's the God we serve. And when, you, when that understanding of God's grace begins to truly settle in on you, and you begin to truly understand it and believe it in your heart, several things are going to happen. I think you see this in, in the life of of Ruth. First of all, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Um, in verse 10, it says, she bowed her face to the ground. My, my translation says that. Literally, it says, she fell on her face. Do you remember when Peter was out on the, on the, the uh, boat fishing, and, and uh, Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. He says, okay, Jesus, hey, yeah. I'm a fisherman. I've been here all night, okay? And I really know what's going to happen when I throw my net on the other side because I've been here all night, and I've caught nothing. They're just not biting. But at your word... I'll cast my net on the other side. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't believe in God. He's just saying, okay, well, you told me to, so I'm going to do it. But he had enough faith to obey God. That's a, that's a powerful thing, by the way. Anyway, throws his net on the other side. What happens? He gets a shoes catch a fish. So much, they have to call over the, the other boat because the boat is sinking from the weight of all the fish. And what does Peter say to Jesus? He says, go away from me because I'm a sinful man. Peter was convicted in his heart because he knew he didn't deserve to see the miracle that Jesus did. He wasn't trusting God. He wasn't worthy of it. But Jesus, in his grace, reached out and did something beautiful in his life. There's another Gaither song called Something Beautiful, Something Good. All my confusion. Fusion, he understood. Uh, you know, and then he goes on, he says, He made something beautiful of my life. Aren't you glad that God interacts with us and deals with us in grace? Uh, there have been some times in my life where, as I've read a passage of scripture, and I know myself, and I know my failure, and I know my lack of faith, or whatever else it may be, and I see that God is forgiving me in his grace. It might be in a song that I hear. It may be in a scripture that I read. Uh, it may just be in a touch of, of his spirit just to comfort me and to, to let me know that, that he has forgiven me. But there have been times, especially in reading the word of God, where I've just been overwhelmed by the grace of God. And I've just had to bow my head as the tears came down my cheeks. And I thought, God, how good you are. She fell to her face. She was, she was just overwhelmed by the grace that was being shown to her. Now, you say, well, I don't understand why she made such a big deal out of it. I mean, after all, he's, all he's doing is letting her, her glean in the field. But listen, if you understood the danger that she was in, he says, don't go to somebody else's field. You might get harmed. But let me tell you, I've commanded my, my men not to touch you. She had security because of, of the grace that Boaz showed her. She had provision because of the grace that Boaz showed her. When you begin to think about the provision of God and the protection of God and all the good things that God has done for you, 
not because you deserved it, but simply because he's good and gracious. It should overwhelm you. <laughs> um, it, so, understanding God's grace, being touched by God's grace, first of all, it's overwhelming. Secondly, it's inspiring. Uh, my fa- translation says she bowed with her face to the ground, um, but literally it says she fell on her face and she paid homage, or another way to translate it is, and she worshipped. Sometimes the word would be used if you were falling down before a king to show honor to the king, okay? That's probably the sense in which she's actually doing that with Boaz. She's just showing him honor for the good thing that he's doing for her. But when you look at Boaz as a type of Christ, can you see the connection? She worshipped. Or we would worship because of the grace of God. I want to tell you something. The grace of God ought to inspire you. (laughs) It ought to inspire you. I don't know too many people who are that gracious when it comes right down to it. When you do somebody wrong, the tendency is they want, I don't get mad, I get even, right? But God's not that way. His grace has been purchased for us at the cross. Listen, if we had to stand under his justice, we'd be in trouble. But we stand under his grace because of what Christ did. And his grace it continues to be shown. As a matter of fact, Romans 5.1 says... We stand in the grace of God as Christians. Meditate on that a while. That'll get you on shouting ground. It ought to inspire you. The reason most people don't worship God more for his grace is they just don't understand their own sin. You want to appreciate God's grace, read the prophets of the Old Testament. You want to appreciate God's grace, spend some time studying, get you a theology book and study the doctrine of sin. The doctrine of man and, and the sinfulness of man. Um, our sin is great. It, we're not just sinners. We're sinners with a capital S. Romans 3 talks about all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Then he goes on and he says, they're, they're all together. Their throats are open graves. Boy, that's a picture, isn't it? It's just death coming out all the time. They're open graves. You ever smell the stench? Of something that's dead. He said, buddy, you got, you got the stench of deadness in what you say. There's death in what you speak. The, the, the sins of our lips as, as we gossip, as we uh, uh, curse, or, or whatever other unclean speech that we may have. He's saying it just gushes forth. Your throats are open graves. They're, they're all going astray. There's none righteous. They all, no one's seeking after God. Aren't you glad that Romans 5, 8 says, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's grace. We don't deserve it. It ought to inspire you. It ought to make you want to shout, to worship. The grace of God, she, she bows down and pays homage, but it's a picture of the worship. You ever wonder why Mary Magdalene came to the feet of Jesus and took perfume that was worth a year's wages and busted it 
poured it over Jesus' head and then poured it over his feet and began to wipe the grime off his feet with her hair as she wept. What was she doing? It was an act of worship. Mary Magdalene, of all people, understood the grace of God. The scripture says those who've been forgiven much love much. She understood God's grace because her past was she was a prostitute. Her past was she was inhabited by seven demons. Not just one. Seven. And as she saw the difference that Christ had made in her life, she was just overwhelmed. She said, what's the most precious thing I could give my Savior? So she went and she, she got it in her, in, and she, she broke that precious ointment and poured it out upon him. And she said, I'm so inspired by your grace that I can't do anything but worship you with my tears and with the service that I'm offering you. She was inspired by his grace. When you understand God's grace, when you've been touched by God's grace, it's overwhelming, it's inspiring. Thirdly, it's amazing. She says, why are you so kind to notice me? Of all the people that Boaz could have helped, there was a lot of people that were poor in Israel. Why did he notice me? I want you to know something. Some people, some people strut in church. They think, they, they think, hey, God's lucky to have me. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they believe that. But those people just don't understand their sin. When you truly understand your sin, what you say is, God, why would you ever show grace to me? And she, she looks at what Boaz has done, and she's just overwhelmed. It's amazing. Uh, the uh, author of Amazing Grace, he was a, a slave trader. And uh, he had spent his life doing wicked things, horrible things to other human beings. And uh, he had come to the bottom of his life. His life was just wasted. It was full of sin. There's nothing bright about it. He was just altogether wicked. But then he met Jesus. And as he thought about the grace of God... He began to write the words to amazing grace. Why would he save a wretch like me? That's God's grace. When you are touched by the grace of God, it's amazing. Trust that he will extend that amazing grace to you. Trust that he will reach out to you in grace though you don't deserve it. When you are touched by God's grace, what do you feel? Well, it's overwhelming, it's inspiring, it's amazing. Second, third, or fourthly, it's distinguishing. It's distinguishing. Why do you notice me? 
Can I tell you something? We serve a personal God. I need a tissue. (laughs) Here we go. We serve a personal God. Did you know God is a God of individuals? He cares about each individual person. He knows your name. Uh, He uh, has the hairs on your heads numbered. He knows every word that you're going to say before you say it. He sees when you sit down and when your eyes. You ever watch your kids sleep? God watches you all the time. That's how much he delights you, delights in you. He's a personal God. Here's Ruth, and she's, she's an outcast. She's a foreigner. Nobody cares. But Jesus cares. Jesus sees her. In her need. And he says, I'll help you. I'll notice you. Makes me think of, um, of Hagar. You remember Hagar? She's a slave. Who cares about a slave? They're the lowest rung on Latin. Well, Christians should, but you know what I'm saying? This, this was a situation. And through situation outside of her control, she's sent away. From her husband, from her, you know, Sarah, her, her, uh, the, the one that she served. And she's there all by herself with her son. Can I tell you something? She found out God sees people who are alone, single parents, raising, raising kids by themselves. She says, he is the God who sees me. I had a, my secretary at my last church, her name was Joquetta Smith, and she, uh, she shared with me one day, we were talking, and she said, you know, she said it was hard when my husband died, and she said I was raising my son by myself, and just seeing, you know, I was all by myself, and she said sometimes I just sit, sit down on the couch and say, Lord, you know I don't have any money to buy food. Lord, you know I don't, I need this or I need that, and she said God would just bring me his peace, and he always supplied what I needed. Isn't that something? He saw her. We serve a God of individuals. He cares about each one. And I, I use the word distinguishing because think about this for a second. Through the actions of Boaz, what, did, what happened to Ruth's status? She was lifted up. Can I tell you something? Others in this world may look at your life and they may not be impressed. That's okay. Can I tell you something? God is impressed with you. Not in the sense that <laughs> you've impressed him by what you've done, but he's impressed with you because he, you are of infinite value to him. You know how I know that? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's how valuable you are. And, and as God loves us, he lifts us up. Ruth's life would never be the same. Now, we know, we know the rest of the story. It gets even better from here. What happens in her life and how God gives her a hope and a future. Isn't that like Christ? He lifts us up. I want to tell you something. Jesus lifted me up. There's an old hymn that says, from sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me from shades of night. To plains of light, praise his name. He lifted me. 
He lifted me. There's times he's lifted me up as a Christian when I've needed his touch. He's seen me in my hurt. He's reached out to me. Oh, the grace of God. There's no end to it. It's new every day. It is distinguishing. And finally, I want you to see it's comforting. Look at verse 13. My Lord, she said, you have been so kind to me, for you have comforted and encouraged your slave, although I'm not like one of your female servants. She says, Boaz, I'm less than one of your servants. But literally, the Hebrew says, you have spoken upon my heart. You have spoken upon my heart. You've comforted me, and you've spoken upon my heart. Isn't that like God? Can you imagine what Ruth must have have felt like? She is in this strange land. She's got all these fears, all these concerns. Where's my next meal coming from? What's going to happen tomorrow? Is somebody going to going to attack me tomorrow. What's going to happen? I don't know how to handle these things. And, and she's got all these thoughts going through her mind and all these concerns and all these worries. And then Boaz says, listen, you don't have to worry about provision. You come to my field every day, you'll have provision. You don't have to worry about protection. You come to my field every day, there's protection. And he begins to speak to the very concerns of her heart. God does that in our lives, doesn't he? Sometimes through the words of other people, like we talked about this morning. Uh, maybe through a message that you hear or for, through a friend that's sharing with you. Sometimes, and oftentimes, it is through his word that he speaks to us and comforts us. Maybe it's through a song that we hear. Uh, I remember uh, when Megan was sick, uh, I turned on the radio and I heard that song. Lane sings this song sometimes, but... Heard that song, maybe his blessings come through raindrops and the tears just begin to flow. God touched me and he comforted me in the middle of my trial. That's the grace of God. I don't deserve it. He continues to lavish it each and every day of my life. That's the the goodness of our God. It's comforting when you understand God's grace. There's never a time we can't come into his presence. Hebrews says that Jesus has gone in before us behind the veil to prepare the way for us so I can come boldly into the presence of God. You don't have to come cowering. You don't have to come fearfully. You come with the assurance that because of the grace of God, Extended in Jesus Christ, you have access to God. You don't have to worry if God is going to forsake you tomorrow. Jesus has promised, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Why? Because you deserve it? No. None of us do. God's grace is sufficient. Where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. When you begin to think about God's grace, and you see it such a, such a clear way uh, here in these couple of verses, God, we serve an amazing God and an amazing Savior uh, to extend His grace. I, I don't know, I've been using, I've been, I've been talking about understanding 
the grace of God. There's one sense in which you understand it. You grow in your understanding as you study God's Word. He has revealed things about His grace, and, and the Holy Spirit helps you to be, begin to understand those things. But there's another way in which we can never fully understand it because we're not wired that way. You and I, aside from the empowering of the Holy Spirit, will never be gracious like God is. He extends His grace each day. You, you know the book of Lamentations, those clean white pages back there, you know, where uh, the Israelites are they're suffering because the Babylonians have come and they've destroyed the, the, uh, the city and they've destroyed the nation and they've carried off. There, there's nothing but, but bodies and, and burning buildings. And, and Jeremiah is walking among these things and he's seeing just the sheer devastation that's come. But he remembers the promise of God's grace. And he says, Lord, it is of your mercies that we are not consumed, for your compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. That's the grace of God that each and every one of us has as our heritage as God's people. So delight in it, rejoice in it, worship him for it. What a gift he's given it to us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that you are a God who sees us, who understands our hurts and our struggles, who knows what it is to, to be here.